This is my mom, Marshall. Hello. This is Marshall. We record our podcast together. Yeah, nice to meet so you nice. too. I'm I'm very nice to meet you. Harry. <laughs> she can't hear what I'm saying. No, it's okay. Welcome to episode 353 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Brian, we got so much to talk about today, oh, dude. I'm stoked. Boy. Okay, let's just dive in. So before we get to our content today, which is going to be all about WWDC 2020, we got to thank our Golden Ratio supporter, Float. The world's top creative teams use Float to plan their projects, schedule their team's time all in one place. You can schedule tasks with an easy drag and drop interface you can make changes on the fly and stay up to date on the go with their mobile app you can learn more at float.com slash design details thank you float thank you float we also have two new pixels this week very important pixels shout out to nika jong and robin runfist thank you nika and robin for supporting the show you know it wouldn't be a very important pixels list without some amount of alliteration and i'm glad even though we only had two this week we still got our alliteration robin runquist dig it i love it yeah if you don't know we are a listener supported podcast and that means you can support us directly on patreon and your support goes directly to making this show possible and the benefit of supporting the show is you get access to complete episodes of design details uh, we have a special segment in every episode called The Sidebar, in which we tell a story, share a cool design resource, or or do talk about something more topical to design every single week. Uh, this week, we talk about the new Mac OS Big Sur icon design. Ooh. We talk about visuals and consistency and shape mm-hmm. and affordance. Ooh, it's a juicy one. Again. If you want to hear this and uh, all past and future sidebar segments of the episodes, Go to patreon.com slash design details. Starts at just a dollar a month. So it's super accessible, we hope, and we uh, really appreciate everybody who has supported us thus far. So that's patreon.com slash design details. Thanks, everybody. Okay, before we get to dub dub, a little bit of follow up. We heard from Stefan Kachi who says, just listen to the latest episode and wanted to recommend another accessibility resource. This is in reference to episode 351 called Accessibility Gut Checks. Um, Stefan recommends the IBM Equal Access Toolkit. It comes with a bunch of checklists and recommendations for design and development. And that's at ibm.com slash able. Super cool. So just another resource for everybody who's trying to dig into accessibility and understand best practices and what we should be doing here. So thanks for the link to the resource. We'll have that in the show notes as well. Good suggestion. Okay. And then a couple tweets from our episode last week. So... Uh, we had our first one from Jasmine Jones says, really enjoyed the latest episode of Design Details with Maurice Cherry. I'm sad to hear that you all are having a hard time finding women and or people of color to interview. Are there opportunities to make recommendations? Also, thank you for the patron shout out. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> that was episode 348. Okay, so Jasmine, yeah, we're, we'll take the suggestions. Um, we just aren't doing that many inter- interviews these days. I think what we talked about with Maurice was Certainly more relevant to when we didn't interview every episode, but mm-hmm. uh, recommendations are totally valid. Just uh, DM us. Thank you. Okay, and then we also got a tweet from Ahmed C on Twitter. Hope I said that right. Uh, says, "Hey, what's wrong with these episode numbers?" And it looks like a screenshot from. <sighs> is it? Is this the podcast app on Mac? It's, I'm not sure where it's from, but yes, known issue. Uh, yeah. Um, the the numbers are incorrect. I think we should fix this. Well, this is so f- dumb because we started design details on episode zero, right? And for Apple a trailer. Podcast starts on episode one, right? And that's pretty normal, right? Like podcasts do this, where like you have a trailer first, like you release a little five minute thing of like, here's what the podcast is going to be. Just subscribe, please, right? And that becomes zero because that's not uh, like actually the first episode, but it starts counting at one. So yeah, exactly like you said. We're always one number behind. I think we need to fix this, Brian. And I think maybe uh, episode 360 would be a good time to do this. It's like a good, you know, round number to switch over. So potentially we could uh, just like skip 359 or something like that, right? I'm going to push back. I think people should look at this this tweet and this screenshot. And I think this is a design problem on Apple's side. (laughs) Like what they've done is they have prepended text with an episode number in front of our title but they do it with the f- same font size font weight uh color 
there's no visual indication that this is UI that they've prepended to our user-generated content. And in my opinion, that's a big no-no in interface design. Like you shouldn't append content in a way that doesn't make it clearly distinguished what is user-generated versus what is like application interface. And so here they've added this for, in my opinion, no reason. Like there's no reason that the number matters this much, but also it seems so common that episode or podcasts do this numbering on their own to account for their own like bonus episode schedules or their trailer schedules or uh, yeah, like this shouldn't be up to Apple to be counting. And so I, I really disagree with this design. Yeah, I disagree with the design, but we're we're living with it now. Well, that's why we're sending everyone to Pocket Casts. Like, don't <laughs> use this. <laughs> well, also in like Simplecast, our, our, our like uploading platform thing, like they have a count that's one off too, right? Like that that's always bothered me. I guess you look at that more than I do now, but still, I don't know. Okay, well, I guess we don't have to fix it. It's, it's just a consistency thing that's always bugged me. Yeah, it's bugging me too. I don't know. We'll think about it. Okay. Uh, okay. Last last tweet thing here is, uh, you know, after that last episode with Maurice Cherry, we kind of asked everyone, you know, if you enjoyed the show, tweet at us and especially tweet at Maurice. And we saw that happen. Like, I don't think we can read them all yeah. out, but like, oh my gosh, so many people tweeted at Maurice saying that they enjoyed the show with some feedback. That was really cool to see. So thanks everyone for for tweeting at Maurice. Thank and you. If, if you did listen and want to tell Maurice that you appreciated it, uh, please keep tweeting. That's awesome. All right, Brian, uh, there's so much to talk about. Holy shit. Okay, here's my suggestion for going into this. Um, there's just so much stuff to cover from DubDub and also every news platform, everything. everybody's already talked about all the new stuff. I think we should just add our angle on things. Yep. Uh, we can go platform by platform. There's a few things that are a little bit unique. Like we, I think we should talk about Swift UI and AirPods, accessibility and privacy perhaps separately. But mm-hmm. we'll just call out some of our notes. Um, hopefully we'll keep it as design oriented as possible. But yeah, let's just dive in. Okay, so I wanted to start with the stream and presentation format. This mm-hmm. was a quarantined WWDC. And for me personally, I loved it. I want all future WWDCs to be like this. Yeah. It was the first year that I actually felt immersed and felt like, the pacing and the volume of content that they got through was like incredible. Like they don't have all these awkward transitions. They don't have people doing these dumb AR game demos on stage, <sighs> pointing an iPad at an empty yeah, table. Like the worst. they just cut through all the shit. And so they had two hours of just content after content yeah. after content. And I'm like, it was I still want two this. hours, <laughs> but two it hours. didn't feel like it. Right. Usually like an hour and a half feels like forever during these things. And it's something that I look forward to. So the fact that a keynote could drag is a bad thing. And the fact that this one particularly was extra long but didn't feel like it at all is a, is a huge feather in their cap. Yeah, I, I think the biggest gripe I've heard from my coworkers is that the worst part about not having a physical in-person dubbed up is you get you lose access to the sessions where you can sit down with Apple engineers and like show them your app and ask them questions. They still have They're that. They're doing though, all I that think. virtually now. Yeah, virtually. yeah, it's all virtual now, but I think that you're missing the in-person part. Anyways, I loved the new format, so I'd be... I'd be down for them to stick with it. But I've never been to one in person to to know what I'm missing. Yeah, someone who's never been and only attends virtually, I am yeah. fully in in support of this being how it is for the future, especially from the keynote thing of like and and especially all of the talks. We'll get into this later, but like all the all the lectures that happen after the keynote, the people go up and they're they're on stage in front of people and obviously they're nervous and whenever they're showing something off, their hands are shaking and I feel bad for them. Like it's just a really stressful environment to be in to try and impart information but when they do it this way it's all pre-recorded so it's like everybody seemed really comfortable and had multiple takes to get things right and as a result it's just a much better product that i don't cringe through yeah all right well we'll see what happens i i guess i could suppose that they'll do this same thing for their september event but we'll see what happens next year yeah next year is a real thing i think probably september we'll see the same thing I don't know. We'll we'll see if they do this going forward. I, I think there's the the lost effect of the crowd ooing and aahing and cheering and stuff that that is really part of an Apple keynote that we're missing. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's talk about iOS 14. Yeah, I have a few notes here. I think we could call out some of the the biggest changes. There's a ton of updates to iMessage. There's app library widgets. A lot of UI changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want to start with? Well, first off, we should say we both have taken the plunge. Yeah, we're upgraded. 
Yeah, beta one. Never do it, but I did it. But mostly because it would look like everybody was saying it was pretty stable. And so far, it's been very stable. I haven't had much trouble. But yeah, okay. So so this is not just based off screenshots. We've been using this shit, right? Okay. Uh, My first thing was the app library. Uh, We just had a section in uh, a previous sidebar, maybe a few weeks ago, where we talked about our home screens on our phones. Uh, And one of my big things is like I have one screen of apps and everything goes into one folder. The app library is that for me now. So I was able to get rid of actually two rows of apps and put them in the app library. And now uh, my home phone is just a smart stack at the the top with uh, four rows of apps and and a dock. Mm -hmm. And I fucking love it, Brian. It's so much better. Yeah, I think app library is a great idea. I just hate the way it looks. Um, Anytime I swipe over to app library, it's so overwhelming and just icons on icons on icons. I kind of hate it. So now I have it enabled. Like I disabled all subsequent pages beyond home. Yeah. And now my goal is to just always use spotlight search, which is muscle memory for me anyways. But yep. anytime I accidentally swipe over to app library, I'm like, oh, too many icons. Um, so I'm not a fan. Well, but. here's why you need to do it is because of badges, right? So like, and, and that's part of the bad thing is that all of my badged apps were in, or either on that home screen, but when they're in the folder, the folder got badged and you could long press and see all of the apps that were they're badged inside of there, right? This becomes a little bit more difficult in uh, app library. One, because there's duplication from your home screen. So you'll see a badge in both places. Uh, and it'll feel like two badges, but second, it's like out of the way, and it's unless you see the notification come in, it's it's not easy to tell that there's stuff you need to be looking at, right? Uh, but to your your point about the noise, I don't know. I kind of like the design of these platters, where it's like um, you get three like single tap options in each group, and then the fourth option, if there's if there's more than four options, becomes a cluster that you can tap, and then you see everything. And it's just an infinitely scrolling list, no pagination or anything like that. And it's alphabetically organized. That is exactly how I would want it. Now, the categories is, is up for debate, I guess. But uh, as to how they're organizing, it's just based on the App Store, not necessarily how I would do it. But if I wanted to organize them the way I wanted it, I'd just put them in fucking folders, right? Yeah. All right, you want to talk about widgets? Yeah. So I'll, I'll give my my hot take. And I actually have some like, design feedback, I guess. Not that I could design anything better, but there are a couple small things that I think will be improved over time. So uh, widgets are cool. I like them. I'm using two of them, but there's three things that really bug me. So the first is if I look at the grid of my home screen, I have two small widgets at the top. I have three rows of icons. Mm -hmm. And then there's visually space for two more rows of icons before getting to my dock. I know Mm -hmm. I'm on a big screen. Mm-hmm. but because there are the paging dots between mm-hmm. my home screen and subsequent screens, yep. there's actually not room to put another like sort of two height widget. It just bugs me that like the visual, there's enough visual space, but there's the paging dots that just take up too much space. So I can't like have one more row of widget, which is annoying. Yeah, that bugs me. There's because, because the dots are tap target themselves now, because uh, that's how you get into choosing which pages to hide and show. It has to have enough space, but that means that if you only have one page, you have essentially an extra unused row of of icons, but but it's just like an empty space. So like there's a huge gap between your last possible row of icons in the bottom of the screen and the dock, which just feels wrong, especially because uh, before it used to include the dots, even if you only had one, because there was always a dot to the left for the today view. Now that widget view, I guess, is what they're calling it now, that today view uh, it doesn't get a dot. If the, if you only have one homepage, there's no dots. So you just have this big blank gulf big blank between space. your yeah. apps in the dock. Yeah. Uh, the second thing that kind of bugs me is um, each widget has different sizes. Or like you can say that widgets have different sizes. Small, medium, large. But you can't switch between the sizes. Like I have a small one. And if I wanted to make it a medium one, what I have to do is go into jiggle mode, delete the small one, click the plus button in the top left, add a widget, find the app for it, then scroll to the medium size, then place it, and then drag it to where I want it to go. I wish the widgets had long press options to just say change size. If there's other sizes available, just let me expand this to be a medium one right away. Yeah. My guess is that 
they're just avoiding complexity for now, but, but it'll happen eventually. Yeah, yeah, I, I assume so. Which actually reminds me, maybe I, I have an additional nit. So let me get through my, my next two. My, my next one is that you can't place a widget arbitrarily. Like they still have this rule that icons and now widgets have to be top to bottom. Yeah. And you can't just fucking put something at the bottom. Yeah. Um, or like put a square one in the bottom right corner. I don't know. That's just maybe they'll change that, but yeah, the the they'll brag. All right, here's a here's a really good point that we should have made at the beginning of this whole thing. It's like and, and other people have made the point, but in the same way that Sketch and Figma are kind of meeting in the middle and passing each other in the middle as they overlap each other's features, uh same thing is happening with Android and iOS. Like basically everything that they announced for iOS has existed on Android for years or longer, right? Like table stakes on Android, like, yeah, duh. Like basically everything that we're going to list here, but it's all coming to iOS now. And and this is, this is one of them, right? So, you know, I'm sure they'll brag about it next year. It'll be like, Hey, look, we, you can put your icons anywhere, right? Now that, now that they're expanding home screen customization, like that's got to be one of the next steps and they'll, they'll brag about it. Like it's a new thing in a couple of years, probably. Yeah. Okay, let me add my final nit on widgets is if you insert a widget stack, first of all, widget stacks are very cool. The smart stacks make me a little nervous because like it has to be really fucking smart for me to trust it. Um, but if I insert my own custom stack, like let's say I want weather, stocks, and calendar to take up one widget space and make it a stack. What you can do is you can go, you can long press on that stack and sort of like incrementally remove widgets from the stack but if you accidentally remove the last one so that you're left with a single widget, you can't add anything back to it. In order to make that thing a stack again, you have to delete it and start from scratch mm. with uh, two or more. It, again, it's just like this long press gesture. I assume it'll get better, but it's like I want the long press to say, you know, convert to stack, add a new thing, um, and then options to resize. So yeah. maybe that'll come, but... Yeah. It's just really clunky to like go into that edit interface, scroll to the app, pick the size, drag it on. Like there's so much work there that I hope it gets easier. V1, V1, V1. So while we're talking about uh, today view and widgets and stuff and, and the home screen, I wanted to call out something that uh, becomes apparent right now and will be apparent for the for the short term, which is the margins have changed. We got big fat fucking margins on our home screen now did you notice this yeah lots of things got chunkier the search inputs got chunkier yeah lots of small visual changes well and it seems to me what's happening is that because they've added widgets and the widgets conform to the app icon grid like that's what their sizing is based on like how the small medium and large are are allocated i think what they did is like now with these new widgets in in the today view the old widgets go up to like maybe eight points from the edge. They're like very tight margins. But with these new ones, because the, it's matched to the same grid as the app icons, there's liberal margins on the left and right. And the same thing is true of the app library. They followed that same grid. So now everywhere you go, except for within Spotlight, when you pull down on the home screen, everywhere else, like the those left and right pivots have the same margins and, and they're super thick. But uh, I kind of like it. It's nice and chunky. Like everything feels like a really easy tap target now. Yeah, I, I get it. I actually wrote down like I think it's interesting that they chose not to take old widgets and just automatically sort of update them to the grid with the right corner radius and the right margins. But I think I understand why they did it. It's like it's just going to break shit and it would be too confusing if like you couldn't convert something into a stack or like it has a different visual language. So, so they left the old ones, which just makes me be like, oh my God, people can't update their apps fast enough to like get uh-huh. me to a point where this doesn't look like I'm living in two operating systems at the same time. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Well, that was plenty of talk about the home screen. What else do we want to mention? Maybe we can do like a design teaser. I thought this was a fun one. Um, so they, they were touting the new Siri interface, saying that it doesn't take up the whole screen. You can see your content behind it. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. I think that's the right decision. Like I can see shit behind my Siri query. But I was watching MKBHD's uh, interview with Craig Federighi. Great interview, by the way. You should watch that. We'll put it in the show notes. Great interview. The problem is when the Siri interface is up, you still can't interact with stuff on the screen. And this is even worse on the iPad. I could imagine them updating the iPad before the iPhone. But like, okay, cool. You have this little Siri bubble at the bottom and you can see your interface, but you can't interact. And the reason is, um, imagine you, you ask Siri a query 
how do you dismiss it? Like they had to say, okay, you tap anywhere outside of Siri to sort of dismiss. But that seems busted to me from a first principles point of view. Like it seems to me that Siri should have come with some sort of gesture or affordance to swipe it away, to swipe suggestions away in such a way that it would allow you to actually interact with content while Siri is up. So you could get a Siri suggestion, do stuff on the app that you are viewing, interact with Siri suggestion, go back and forth. And then when you're done with Siri, just move it off your screen. Certainly iPad makes more sense. I think MKBHD mentioned this as well. Like that would be maybe a more ideal solution, but it does seem strange to me that they're touting this like, Siri doesn't take up your whole screen, but it's kind of invisibly taking up your whole screen. Does that make sense? Yeah, they went from an opaque modal view to a transparent modal view, but it's still a modal view. It takes over all taps that you know would go through it. It's opaque, right? So yeah, I think I think they chose the worst after listening to that interview. I think they chose the worst of all options, which is like you know, um, <laughs> yeah. There's a video that I'm going to recommend at the end of it. There's a bunch of like lectures from WWDC that I want to recommend, but uh, one of them is about menus, and and I think they should have just adopted the same behavior as they have with menus now, which is if you interact with anything outside of that menu, it automatically dismisses. It doesn't intercept your tap and make you tap off first. You can just start scrolling something behind and it'll go, oh, okay, you're doing something else elsewhere. I'll dismiss myself. Siri should do the same thing, right? Uh, Maybe not on iPad. I could imagine there's like a timeout or like a gesture to get rid of an iPad because there's more opportunity to do stuff around it. But on iPhone, it's small enough that there's like, there's not a whole lot of opportunity or, or room for you to do stuff and have a big notification at the top and the, that big giant globe at the bottom that Siri is now like the room in between there on normal size phones is just not adequate to multitask so my first interaction should do the thing I want it to do like a scroll and also dismiss Siri in my opinion well here let me hear you with this I, I saw something this has been on dribble for forever somebody made a mock-up of how they wish uh, Siri worked and the way I wish it worked is the way the new phone bar notification works. So actually, sure. I got to experience this this morning for the first time. Yeah. So phone calls no longer take over the whole screen. Huge upgrade. Mm-hmm. But the way it works is it sort of pops in a phone call notification like a push notification. Mm-hmm. But if you answer it, it actually stays persisted to the top of your screen. And then you can just keep using your phone. You just navigate around and you have this like narrow bar at the top of your screen that says who you're talking to gives you speaker options and a hang up button. It should just be that like Siri, Siri should just pop up in such a way that it is a bar notification like cell. When you ask it things, then maybe it expands to show you the things, but it's very clear that this behaves like something that can be swiped away and then you can still interact with your screen around it. That just seems more clear to me, but yeah, what do you think? So it makes sense if that was the goal, why they put the answer up top, right? So like the the answer comes in from the top, the globe is at the bottom, closest to your thumb, but like they basically set it up so that you have the opportunity to interact around it, but you can't. Like the way it functions, you can't actually do anything but Siri while Siri is up or Siri has to go away for you to do anything else. So like if that's the case, then why didn't they put the answer at the bottom so it's something I can actually tap on if I want to act on it or swipe it away if necessary. If I have to do one gesture between now and continuing to to get rid of Siri, then like put it within range. You know what I mean? Uh, or, Or make that one gesture as easy to be dismissed as it is to be continue along with this answer that I got, right? Yeah, I'm sure there's probably a thousand more constraints that we're not thinking of, but it seems like oh, for this sure. isn't finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, here's my suggestion, Marshall. I vote we go through iPad, watch, TV, and some of the other topics and do like 30 seconds each highlights. Lightning round. And then let's spend the most time on Mac OS and then go to cool things. Okay. Okay, let's do lightning round. Okay, so iPad OS 14, um, my my favorite thing is Scribble, but only because we very recently, probably a few episodes ago, had a, a listener, I can't remember exactly who they tweeted at us, this video of how the Apple Newton worked. There was yeah. this video from, what, the fucking 90s or something? Of yeah, like, yeah. here's all the features in Newton. And my God, it is, the Scribble demo was a recreation of that Newton demo with, like, you can write a phone number and then tap the phone number. You can write an address and then tap the address. Like all of this was prototyped and demoed on the Newton in the 90s. And obviously what we have now is 
infinitely more polished, more performant, more uh, just better. But it's cool to me, I suppose, to see us come full circle here. Like the hardware and software seems so much more elegantly in sync, even if the original idea is not exactly new. So that's my take on iPad. I, I like a lot of the other stuff, but I'll, I won't go into it. Uh, okay, um, I'll, I'll do a lightning round of just going through thoughts on stuff. Okay, so iPad. No, there's no widgets on the home screen? That's dumb. There are. No, I mean, you can't put them with your apps, right? Like, you, it doesn't work the same way as iPhone. Like, I couldn't have oh, a whole oh, screen on the of left. widgets, right? Like, I could create I a whole screen of widgets, like a whole page of widgets on the phone. Can't do it on iPad. That's dumb. Sidebar, obviously, this makes total sense. Um, it's interesting to see it come from Mac and also from Android and make its way into iPad. Um, toolbar up top makes a whole lot of sense. Just like the IA changes make a ton of sense. Uh, menus instead of popovers, awesome. There's a really good video on menus that you should watch. Quick quick one on that. They're, they're doing that on iPhone too. I found this interesting. Uh, I wanted to call it out. Like You know how in Safari, if you wanted to close all tabs, you'd like long press on the tab icon in the bottom right? Mm-hmm. It used to open an action sheet. Now it opens one of these new popovers. So like that's on iOS as well. Yeah, there's. The, I'll just go ahead and say it now. The video is called Design with iOS Pickers, Menus, and Actions. And they make a really good argument for menus over action sheets um, and, and when to use them and why. Uh, really good thinking there. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that implemented across all the apps I use. Okay, uh, continue moving quick. Keep going. Uh, music on iPad now has a reasonable information architecture and the now playing screen is is good. Like, thank you, finally. Um, yeah, love the small phone and the Siri overlays. The, the search being more like Spotlight on Mac is great. Like, this, this they're coming together, man. They're coming together. Yeah, love all it. this stuff love with Scribble it. is great. They uh, The interesting thing about Scribble is when they first teach you how to use it, there's a segmented controller on the top that takes you through the different actions. It starts with just like, Right in text fields and gives you an opportunity to do that in a in a safe playground thing, like we always talk about. It's like there's a segmented controller at the top though that lets you like figure out how to delete and how to insert and and do all those other things. The first time I went through it, I did not see that segmented controller at the top and didn't realize that there were other things. And I was like, later I was just I, I wrote some shit and I was like, oh fuck, I messed up. How do I undo this? Oh, I remember from the keynote that you can like scribble on a word and it'll it'll delete it. But how do I insert or add a space or anything? So. That was kind of fucked up that I, like, I made it through the, the onboarding but didn't realize there was more than one step to the onboarding. That's usually like mm-hmm. the opposite problem. You just like, I got to get through yeah, all the steps yeah. just to continue. Okay, there's a new actions menu in Note. So when you swipe, the, the actions, instead of being square cornered, are now rounded cornered. And as you swipe the cell, it has this like reverse rounding that kind of feels weird. I don't know if you've seen that. I have not seen that. Yeah, okay, so yeah. Uh, that's my that's my iPad lightning round. Uh, let's do quick AirPods. Um, automatic switching, taking a thing that was magical yeah. and taking the least magical thing about it and removing that friction and automatic switching, if it works correctly, is going to be amazing. So big win mm-hmm. on AirPods for me. Also, a thing that I've noticed is last night I got a notification on my phone in the same way that like when you when you put your pencil on the top of an iPad, it pops in that little capsule-shaped thing saying the battery level. I got one of those for my airpods last night on my yeah phone. yeah it'll like tell you when it switches and you can like tap it to revert revert the decision if it switched incorrectly well no it wasn't even that like i didn't switch i didn't switch it was i was watching on my apple tv with my headphones at night so i didn't bother the lady and then uh my batteries on the airpods got low they would hit the 20 percent but that i heard the sound but mm. i got a little notification on my phone i think this is what happened where it had that capsule shape at the top with a red battery that said 20%. Mm, oh, like, oh, yeah, oh, that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, that new top sort of pill toast is yeah, also yeah. just a new style that's making its way into more more things. Yeah, started with a pencil. That's what I was trying to refer to earlier. Yeah. Okay, l- last thing on AirPods. I mean, the directional audio, yeah. I think it's it's makes sense. Well, he, he, you don't fucking expect headphones to get software updates, but they're getting <laughs> software updates in very, very meaningful ways. Yeah. Like, I would never... I'm wearing the Bose quiet comfort headphones. I don't expect these to get software updates. They get firmware updates, but it doesn't add stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is a huge thing that's coming to existing AirPod Pros. Like that's awesome. AirPods Pro, sorry. Internal pluralization. Yeah. It's good to be in the ecosystem, man. The the walled garden is a great place to be. <laughs> um 
it's a very comfortable garden until it's not. We'll see when that hits. Yeah. Apple Watch, I, I wrote down here, boring. Um, yeah, really nothing interesting happened. The 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 hand washing detection thing sounds like satire. That's like a it's like a SNL sketch. Um, but it's <laughs> yeah. real. Well, here I'll I'll hit you with something that is interesting on Watch OS. It used to be that when you pressed the digital crown and it would take you to that home grid. Mm-hmm. There would be a delay, and the reason there was a delay is because they there's also an interaction on WatchOS for double click to double click the mm-hmm. digital crown to to go to something. Yes, the same thing is true of of apps that have like taps, right? So if you if you have uh, the same entity can be single tapped or double tapped, your single tap latency will suffer because it's always going to wait for that double tap. And once it's sure that there is no double tap coming, then it will do the single tap thing. But there's always a built-in delay if you have the same, if you have single and double on the same thing. Same exact thing on, on the iPhone. It, you can have double click on the, the sleep-wake button and you can have triple click on the sleep-wake button, hmm. uh, which is why there's always a delay. Like if you have a triple click uh, interaction enabled and you double click to go to Apple Payments or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, or Wallet. Apple Pay, um, there's a delay. Well, anyways, on watchOS, they fixed this. Uh, at least if you have the double-click interaction, I think it mine goes to like most recently used app. And the way it works is fascinating. So if you if you click once, it instantly goes to the, the home app grid. But if you double-click, it goes to the app grid, quickly scrolls you to the app that it's going to open, and then mm, opens it. And smart. it's a very small change, but I find this to actually be kind of meaningful. Like the single-press interaction is now instant because it always does the same thing it still gets you to the thing in the same amount of time so it's yeah. you get the best of both worlds i love it yeah that's clever good call so so you're on uh watch os 7 on your on your watch yes too. well you just jumped in all the way in did you do big sur too on your computer fuck no yeah that's <laughs> no the one i'm like i gotta get shit done still um uh-huh well, speaking of computers, do you want to jump ahead to to macOS and like Apple Silicon? Because like I've wanted to get a new computer. I've been waiting for a while, and now that they fixed the keyboard situation, and it's got the the inverted T and like the better uh, key switches and everything. I was like, okay, time to get a new computer. And then they announced that Apple Silicon, and like, okay. Fuck fine. I have to wait till the end of the year at the very least. Hopefully, they'll do like a MacBook Pro will be the very first thing that they put the silicon on. But like. If I get a new computer now, I'm basically throwing my money away, right? Gotta wait. Gotta wait. Yeah. So now I'm like, I'm using a five or six year old computer to edit all of our episodes, and it's really starting to hurt, especially when we have like two hour long episodes like we did uh, last week and probably this week too. Well, here here's what I think is most interesting about this. So we saw demos that you can install iOS and iPadOS apps directly to a Mac if the developer allows it because it's running on this new chip that supports all these things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sound like such a tool here but i noticed this thing before somebody tweeted that they noticed it and they tweeted and it went viral but the corner radius of the mac os window bounds and the control center boxes those corner radius match perfectly to an ipad and iphone corner radius Mm. and it looks incredibly clunky now that you have that corner radius on a sharp cornered 90 degree angle screen on the current macbooks yeah it seems 100 percent inevitable that we're going to see a rounded like fully bezeled screen that basically looks like an ipad attached to a keyboard i think that's what the next Mm -hmm. macbook is going to look like or at the very least the imac like it has to they spent so much time, especially in the WWDC session talks, talking about like how to get perfect concentric corner radius. They talk about it a lot in the widgets session. Mm-hmm. They're focused on this. Those corner radius are intentional. Screens come in this way. Radii. Radii, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the interesting thing. is like If you look at your... It's been this way for a long time, and I always thought it was kind of odd, but like look at the Apple on your MacBook. Like It's pretty far from the corner. In the same way that, like, if you take a screenshot of your iPad, the the time and date in the top left is pretty far from the corner, just so that it gets away from that radius area. Like, I've I've thought this was coming for a long time, and it, but it's always been like this. That Apple has been really far, and I think it's so that it has equal distance on the right to the name of the app as it does to the left to the screen. But like, it's already set up for it. Same thing on the right with like the the icons on the right. There's already plenty of room yeah the only question is like do the apps have that same corner radius so that you don't have information in your apps getting lost behind the crop but now that's not true so here you go it's gonna happen and i will give them my money for it Uh uh-huh 
Okay, privacy. Um, holy shit. I mean, they had an entire section of the presentation dedicated to privacy. The lights got dim. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll say it's very cool. I think from a design point of view, there's like two big things, I suppose. Um, one is like the new indicators in the status bar. So there's now like an orange dot and a green dot depending on if something recently or is currently using your microphone or camera. Perfect. Which is awesome. Like, let's finally put these Facebook conspiracy theories to bed. Like, we'll actually oh. know. Um, you think they'll they'll believe that the dot is telling the truth, Brian? <laughs> the nice thing here is like it's I, I'm we're already used to this. If you have a MacBook, it's like just the consistency across platforms. If you have a MacBook and the camera's on, like it is right now, we're in a video call. There's a green there's dot a green next light. to the camera. Yep, that's that's how it should be. My my only concern is that it it's not obvious, but they still like if you pull down Control Center, it'll show you like there will be an indicator that says, "Hey, that dot appeared because this." app recently used that sensor on your phone yeah so that's a win the second thing for me is just safari i mean we'll talk about this on mac os but like safari with the new uh tracking mm-hmm. protection feature that sh- like blocks trackers but they just freaking add it to the ui of safari so you're constantly thinking about it you're always going to see this number i mean th- if this isn't an attack on google and facebook like i don't know what it is it's like we're going to make it as obvious as possible that Websites are tracking your shit. Yeah. Um, well, and you did you see the TikTok thing? Like, not even for websites. Like, did you see the TikTok thing? Yeah. You know, I'm torn on this. Um, okay. Well, so the TikTok thing was there's a new feature in iOS. If an app reads from your pasteboard, commonly known as the clipboard, but Apple's API is the pasteboard, uh-huh. a little toast display that says, hey, this app looked at it. I think this is a good thing because there's apps that abuse this. Like when you open the app, they'll see what's on your clipboard and just send that to their servers to process and try and figure out what you're doing or like infer just even more data about you that's super intrusive. Mm -hmm. But there are legitimate uses for that. Like for example, there's a lot of apps that if you open them, they'll look for a, a URL in your pasteboard. And if the URL matches some pattern, they can prompt to just like deep link you to that thing. So like deliveries is a perfect example of this. I love it for uh, package tracking. We have an Amazon URL on your clipboard. It just does the right thing. It's two taps and you're good. Exactly. So now it sucks that you have this banner that's going to be associated with an app being malicious in reading your pasteboard when in fact they're probably just trying to be super helpful and like add value. I wish there was a little bit more nuance there of like did something with what's in your pasteboard or just like checked to see if there was something actionable in it. I don't know. It makes me sad that that's going to kill some functionality in in different apps. But Because if you have that functionality, you basically are forced to remove it. Like nobody's going to trust your app if they see that banner. Unless it's like the purpose of your app, like that deliveries thing. Like that it's the whole goal of it is like when I launch the app, I expect to feel a little haptic and see a little toast pop up from the bottom. It's like, looks like there's a thing on your clipboard. You want to add it? Like, yeah, I do. That's why I came here. Okay. So privacy, plus plus, good stuff there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quickly, accessibility. God, there's like so much cool stuff here. I'll just call it a couple of the things that I I thought were really neat. Um, The first is FaceTime detects American Sign Language. It's like FaceTime has this feature where it focuses on the person who's talking. But if you're mute or you're having a conversation in, in ASL, how would they know? Like they don't have the sound cue. So now they're doing video detections. Like if you're using uh, sign language, it'll switch to focus on your video. So good. Like, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, they also added sound detection to trigger notifications. You could say like if a baby is crying or if a car is honking, like trigger notification. Like how do you bring visual cues to what's happening in the real world if, if someone is hard of hearing or deaf? Mm-hmm. And then... I mean, there's so many things here. One thing that I just really appreciated is watching the, is like what's new in Swift UI talk. Mm-hmm. And they have so many new Swift UI primitives that just give you an incredible amount of accessibility stuff for free. Out of the box. Just out yeah. of the box. The new one, the, the label view, it's like insert a label view and you pass it a string, which is what, what you want the label to be. And then you can pass it an optional image, like an SF symbol or something. Yeah. And if you do that, you get out of the box dynamic type size. Uh-huh. Uh, the string that you pass is a key to internationalized like uh, string index. Mm-hmm. It automatically scales up the image as well with mm-hmm. dynamic type size, like the image and and the the text interplay well together. But they also Based baseline, the baseline align. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! Like there's so many it's just so good. beautiful touches from this one abstraction. I'm like, fuck. We need this everywhere. Like the web needs this. This is so good. So. Yep. All that is in the service of 
accessibility by default. Like you get voiceover for free, all this kind of stuff, right? And yeah, while, while we're talking about it, and I, I think uh, Mike Rendell mentioned this on, on Twitter the other day, but like this is the time to get into Swift UI. Like now, now that Swift UI can like build apps, you can build a full app based on Swift UI, even with like data and states and everything. Like, so I started learning Objective C like literally like 10 years ago, and it was a really tough thing to wrap my dumb designer brain around. And there are so many things as I'm using it as a designer, I'm like, why do I have to do all these extra steps and tell the application that it needs to do all these things? Like, I should just know. It's the same thing every time. Like, if if I want to use a list, why do I have to hook up all these other things and like tell the other pages what, you know, what's going on? Just like, let me create a table view list, right? And now all that shit just works. So all of the impediments from before, all the hurdles to like making a reasonable app with, good constraints and resizable and all this stuff like it all just like fucking works out of the box like now's the time to to pick it up agree agree it's so much more accessible and the primitives are getting better but here one of the touches that i like the most is that between last year's swift ui and this year's swift ui they made some changes where the upgrade is literally just adding a few characters like they have um i think you can have like a grid component and if you are dealing with a grid with a ton of content, you have performance issues. Mm-hmm. So they updated it. So there's a new API called like Lazy Grid or Lazy mm-hmm. V Grid. I forget the exact word. Well, there's V Grid and H Grid. Yeah. Where all you do is append Lazy in front of it. Yep. Um, you don't have to change anything else, and you just get massive performance improvements out of the box. So yeah, to me, that's just like this is a platform worth investing time and knowledge into, and like not only can you build an end-to-end app with Swift UI now, which is new. But you can actually build an end-to-end cross-platform app yes, with Swift UI. Exactly. Like with widgets, iOS, iPad, Mac, TV, watch, fucking the same language. Mm-hmm. It's really, really compelling. Yeah. Now's the time. Okay. Should we try and get through Mac OS, the big kahuna, and then wrap? Okay. Yeah, let's let's go real quick. All right. So I'll do my quick one on on Mac OS. Um rounded corners, lack of signifiers. Fewer borders. Uh, there's some very weird decisions, like you open Notification Center by clicking on the time in the top right corner in the menu bar. Mm-hmm. Like no one's gonna fucking discover that. No one will know that. That's not clear. That's not usable. Uh, notification Center seems useful. Uh, actually, it seems useful, but has been historically incredibly unuseful for me on all of my computers. Like I rarely remember to go to it. And there's a freaking dedicated button for it in the the menu bar. The little hamburger bulleted list icon that's going away and now you click on the time to get to notification center that just seems bad to me well don't you just use the edge swipe right like you can two finger swipe in from the edge of the trackpad and that will bring in the notification i always do it that way yeah because everyone knows that that is totally possible well you do it by accident right like that's that's the thing you learn by accident and you're like oh I, i did it i guess i start I start swiping off of the trackpad and I bring my two fingers on and that that's notification center. I learned it by accident. I didn't do that on purpose the first time. Yeah, that seems like a problem to me. So, But like a scary weird icon in my status bar or, or the time, like I'm definitely not going to discover that by accident, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's the main kind of gripe that I, I think I have with Big Sur. I haven't used it yet. Just from looking at the changes, time will tell. We'll get used to it. It's so clear that they're just going towards a touchscreen Mac, like it's going to happen. But they dropped a lot of signifiers and borders that make it clear what's interactive and what's not. And they now revert to using hover changes, hover hover interactions to tell you if something is interactive. Mm-hmm. Like all the new menu bars dropped the borders on buttons, and now it's just a floating icon. And you have to hover over it to like actually see where the click target is. I- I'm torn. The dividers between segmented controllers are so dim, you can't even tell that there are dividers there to see that it is a segmented controller, even if you could figure out that that's what's true based on the dividers. Yeah. Yeah. There's also just some weird stuff with like the new control center. Like control center looks like iOS now. It it is the Mm -hmm. exact same designs. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, maybe it will be intuitive. People will be like, oh, that's how my phone works. I can click on this thing. But if you aren't familiar with that, it's actually not clear at all what is clickable in the new control center. Like, there's just icons that have blue backgrounds and you just have to know that if you click on that, it's going to toggle something on and off. It's not clear at all in the same way, which it is clear on a phone. Like on, on the phone, it's more clear because this is the only input mechanic, but on 
on the Mac, when you drop these signifiers of what is a button, what is clickable, it feels like a step backwards. So I don't know. We'll see. I guess they're just counting on iOS and iPadOS being so mature that people are are familiar with these interfaces. Did you watch the design for the iPad OS pointer talk? Uh, no, it's on my list. Queued up. Okay. It is an excellent one. It gets real fucking nerdy uh, and I love it. But the the more I watched, the more it seemed like they were quietly making the case for the for the fact that like our mouse pointer, like our current desktop pointer is bad and wrong. Like the eye bar for selecting text is the wrong thing, right? Because it's it's not clear as to what you're actually going to be selecting in the same way that the iPad pointer is very explicit. Like you're on this row and you move it one pixel further and now you're on that row. But it's clear which row you're on of text to select. As I watched that, that, that video, like all of the reasons they listed for doing the iPad OS pointer that way it was like, well, okay, so I guess you're going to just do that for Mac OS too eventually, right? Like for all the same reasons, it's clear that like yeah, I'm selecting this and not that. I don't know. Do you think it's inevitable? No, I, I think there's just too many applications that require precision and the pointer on a Mac gets you one pixel precision. And I don't see that going away. Well, but transformative, right? Like I think you'd still keep the arrow pointer as your default pointer instead of the circle like it is on on iPad, but... When I go to select text or when I hover yes, over a button yes. that it could transition into like being that button and still have the magnetism and all this stuff that is on iPad. Uh, I don't see it happening for buttons, but I could see them starting with the text cursor because that is a problem. Like if you put the eye bar in between two lines of text, it's not yeah. clear where that cursor is going to go. Yeah. Uh, and also like the eye bar doesn't conform to the size of the text that you're hovering over. Like all that stuff on iPad makes a lot of sense. It's very clear. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, it, it'll have to be adaptive in some way to preserve there's just too many applications on a Mac that require that precision that you would never expect to have on an iPad or a touchscreen-first device. Uh, I suppose iPad gets around this a little bit with Pencil. Well, here's how it... I mean, the way it works on iPad is like you just have the default circle cursor unless the app has buttons that will conform to know what it means to be hovered over by that cursor. So like the default is just a normal cursor, which is why I think they might do this on, on Mac OS. It's like you'll just keep your pointer cursor on apps that don't recognize that they can do anything more but like on default text fields that that are just like the the os native text fields like those will all get the new ibar thing by default you know what i mean so like yeah, and, and, maybe, and default maybe. buttons that you use labels and everything will, will get that functionality by default in the same way they did on ipad os so I don't know. I think it's coming. I think it's inevitable. And and I think it's fine. I think it'll be just fine. Everything will be the same as it was before, but uh, the things that are bad will be better. I hope so. We'll see. Yeah. I, I think you should go through your macOS stuff. I have, in general, I'm excited to try it. I think the visual updates are are really interesting, but I'm very curious in practice what it will feel like. We are very clearly on a migration path to a touchscreen Mac and that requires tap targets to get bigger, the UI to get chunkier, the interface to get rounder. Mm-hmm. And things that are new are scary. Change sucks. We have to get used to these new things. So I imagine some pain, but I'm wondering if there's, if it's actually going to end up being a good thing or, or if we're going to sort of miss the days of having something a little bit tighter, more precise, a little more dense. Um, I'm not sure. Time will tell. Well, okay. I'll I'll run through my macOS thing real quick, lightning round. First off, uh, Alan Dye has the coolest job. We'll just say that right there. VP of Human Interface Design. Yeah, yeah, that's basically yeah. the coolest thing. Um, there's new sounds. They mentioned it in passing, like real quick, and they played a few of them real quick, but then like never mentioned it again. So I'm curious to see what that is. The full height sidebar is fucking dope on on all the windows. Like it looks beautiful. I, it makes total sense. And here here we are between iOS and macOS. It's like kind of the same thing we've had in like files on iPad for a long time. The idea of hiding the search field based on on the window size is kind of weird. Like it makes sense to collapse when you can, but I don't know. I don't know. That's a that's a weird one. People are complaining that the menu bar is too translucent. Uh, so I'm curious to see how that will get tweaked. Control center is so much fucking better. Like, uh, I'm very much looking forward to that, especially like the slider design and everything and the idea that you can like pull things out 
of Control Center and make them uh, in your menu bar rather than going through system preferences and checking a checkbox that says include this in the menu bar? Let me let me call it one thing there because that was one thing I criticized in my macOS section. But like, I do think ultimately it is better, and specifically because like I've spent time teaching uh, my family how to like do things like switch audio outputs or configure Bluetooth devices. Mm-hmm. And it's not obvious how to do that in the current system because like you said, you have to go to system preferences, enable the menu bar icon, and then you have to go to each individual list and each list has like fucking option commands if you're holding option or not. Like yep. There's all this complexity hidden in those menu bar icons. If we can just just make it look like my phone, just give me the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if people understand that, then I think this is going to make the Mac more approachable and, and then putting it behind one button. Like, yeah, that's great. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, continuing the the fast stuff. Uh, so the the menus that drop down in the, from the menu bar, the corner radii don't line up with the menu category that you triggered them from. Like that fucks me up. The notification center via uh, the clock is a nice improvement, but it's a weird entry point, like we were talking about earlier. Widgets, okay. So widgets are different on every surface that they appear. On iPhone, they come in from the left, and you can put them alongside your app icons. On iPad, they're off to the left, but you can't put them in with your icons. They have their own column. And then on Mac, they're on the right. They live off to the right. Now it's on the opposite side of where I expect. Also, it includes Notification Center. Also, I can't embed those widgets on my desktop. Uh, I guess that would just be Dashboard at that point. Anyways, the the widget stuff causes a lot of questions to be raised in my mind and and the last point i have for for mac is that messages is finally caught up uh, on mac and i'm stoked that we get replies too i didn't even say this but like when they did i'm so glad that they spent this year on imessage because every single thing that they announced has been a gripe of mine for for forever like mm-hmm. group messages can't have mm-hmm. a custom photo mm-hmm. uh group messages can't mention somebody group messages can't thread something like mm-hmm. they just went through and systematically fixed all of these things and then when they showed like, oh, hey, yeah, everything we just showed you on iOS, boom, also on macOS. I'm like, fuck, yes, uh-huh. thank you, thank you. Yes. It's finally, and I think it's because uh, iMessages is now a proper Catalyst app. Ah, that's why. Yep, I believe I believe I understand that correctly. Yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. Catalyst. Okay, so that's the end of my list. Okay. Before we get to cool things, is there any last thoughts you have before we move on? No, there's so much. I think I think we should stop here and we can use subsequent episode follow-up sections as we watch the betas evolve to call out mm-hmm. new things. Okay, cool. All right, well, uh, as a segue, I have a list of WWDC lectures that are worth watching, in my opinion. I've split it up into two sections, design and development. Uh, some things might not uh, appeal to you if you're not on the development side, but I think it's they're good to watch anyways just to understand how shit works. Okay, anyways, design. So uh, adopt the look of Mac OS. Design for iPad. Design with iOS pickers, menus, and actions. That's a must-watch. Design for the iPad OS pointer. Must-watch. Make your app visually accessible. Design great widgets. SF Symbols 2, the update to SF Symbols, mandatory. And the details of UI typography I found really interesting, even though I'm not a type guy. Good ones. Okay, so those are my design ones. Development. You should watch the State of the Union, which is like kind of like the developer's keynote. What's new in Swift? Introduction to Swift UI. Stacks, grids, and outlines in Swift UI is a really good one. App accessibility for switch control, which includes the new like Xbox um, controller thing, like the accessibility controller. Data essentials in Swift UI. Advances in UI collection view. Table views are going away, Brian, and it's all just going to be mm-hmm. collection views now. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, add custom views and modifiers to the Xcode library, so you can like create your own code snippets that you can insert as if they were like a UI button or something like that. You can create your own shit that is part of the library. It's like in Figma when you press Option three and it opens the asset catalog. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of like that, and you can like add. So when you press that, it shows you all the Swift UI stuff. You can add your own stuff into that. Is it Option two for the assets? Assets panel is Option two. Option three is the library. Oh, that's what I mean. Op- option three opens the, the dialogue, which is kind of what happens in Xcode. It opens a dialogue. But option two just switches the sidebar tab, yeah. And lastly, there's a widget code along that I want to participate in that I haven't haven't done yet to like you know build your first widget. And then there's a Swan's Quest thing that it looks maybe like gaming related. I'm not entirely sure, but that looks cool. 
So that's my list. There's there's like lots of things worth watching. It's like every time a dub dub comes out, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, you go through and I fucking favorite all the shit. Favorite and like, all the I can't videos. Wait. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I sit and you can watch them all on your Apple TV. So I just sit on my Apple TV and just work through all this juicy stuff. So good. Uh, and all those videos I really enjoyed. So help yourself. All right. Links in the show notes, to all these. Otherwise, just go to the dub dub website and you can search for the sessions. Okay. Uh, my cool thing. Hey, Marshall, remember when you were in elementary school and there's like these little plastic sort of cards with little shapes cut out so you could trace shapes in those plastic areas. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like a, like a stencil. Thank you. That is the word I'm looking for. Remember in elementary school using stencils? Well, <laughs> yes. what if you could have a stencil, but instead of being like I don't know, little squiggles and, and circles and stuff. What if it was actually just a stencil for wireframing an interface for a phone? And so that's my cool thing. It's a Kickstarter. It is a, uh, it looks like a sort of die cut metal stencil, but the shapes inside of it are for interface elements. And, and the thing that I like the most about it that's really cool is just the way that they use the shape of the thing as a stencil. So for example, there's, there's a very small interior line cut out that is the exact size of an iPhone size. Uh, but that's the small iPhone size. If you go around the edge, the outside edge of the stencil, that's going to be the Pro Max size. Uh, There's some like nice little touches like that, and they have little helpers for some common icons, for circles, uh, rounded rectangles. They have fucking little cutouts for notches. You can like prototype the notch. They have actually three different stencils. One, one is kind of cool. There is a stencil for gestures. So like, how do you? How would you indicate if you're sort of doing a paper pencil prototype? whether something should be double-tapped, swiped, single-tapped, long-pressed, how would you demonstrate that? You'd kind of, I guess I would just like point to it and like write out, you know, double-tap. Mm -hmm. But they also made a stencil that's these little hands and there's like a little gesture around the hands to indicate whether it's a single-tap, double-tap, long-pressed. So anyways, I, I don't know if I would use that one necessarily, but I just think this is kind of a cool... Um, Brian... Oh no, the way you said that says... So you're about to drop a bomb on me. What? Well, well, the funny thing is there was a, I don't know if it was Kickstarter. How did I get it? But there was something very, very similar to this like eight years ago. Um, it was for the original iPhone. Um, it had a similar thing where it wasn't like this. This is really actually a lot smarter. It was like actually the size of an iPhone where you just draw the entire screen. It wasn't just like the top edge of it. And Inside, on the interior, it had just a, a bunch of common icons that you could trace, similar to this. But uh, this is better. I think this is a better better use of space. And it's like the size of a card that could go in your wallet. So yeah, uh, and, and it's got a little ruler on there. Yeah, this is smart. You know what's cool about it too, Marshall? So there's a ruler on it, but there's also little notches that sit on an eight-point grid. Oh, that's good. So there you go. Yeah, uh, I might need to buy this now. Cool. Well, it's a Kickstarter, so uh, it looks like they're almost at the pledge goal. They needed $5,600 at the time of recording. There's been uh, $4,300 pledged. So if that sounds interesting, I mean, I don't do as much paper pencil, but this sounds fun, and it's like $14 to fucking do the early bird pledge. So $14 bucks for like a kind of cool card, like something nice to have on the desk if you wanted to do a quick sketch and have it look nice. so link in the show notes. It's called UI card. Here's the thing is I've just gotten really good at drawing the aspect ratio of a phone screen. Um, uh-huh. Just like real quick knock out four lines that are basically exactly proportional to, to what it should be. Uh, so I don't really need this is what I'm saying. I'm just so good. I don't need this is what I'm saying, Brian. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're pro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, this has been a long episode. Let's get yeah. out of here. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening. Maybe tweet at us with your own dub dub takes, what you're most excited about. Yeah. I, I feel like we called out a lot of things that were confusing or, or we're not really sure that we like the changes yet. So I'd like to hear what other people saw and like, I don't know if that's going to be good or not. We'll see. Uh, but tweet at us. We're at Design Details FM. Also, thank you to everybody who is supporting the show. If you haven't supported us on Patreon, this week you missed a very juicy sidebar section where oh, we yeah. talked about the new icon designs in Mac OS. Uh, so if you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash design details for just a buck a month. That gets you access to complete episodes of the show as well as the whole backlog of all sidebar segments. So thank you everyone supporting us, our new supporters this week. To learn more, just go to patreon.com slash design details. All right, Marshall, let's get out of here. That's it. We'll catch you next week. Goodbye.
kilobytes counting up. Yeah, I'm in. Oh, uh, was there an update? My my QuickTime, when I hit record, now it's a pause button. It used to be a stop button, I thought. Mine's a stop button. Mine's a pause button. Wait, are you on Big Sur? No, I'm on Catalina 15.5. Uh, I'm on the same. What? Are you sure you're doing an audio recording? Audio recording at the top. Right input, right quality. Yeah, mine's definitely a stop button. What the fuck? That's crazy. All right, well, weird. Let's hope this works. <laughs> Feature flags. Hey. Hey. Here, I'll take a let me let me like show you. Oh, 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 it just changed to a stop. When I hit dude, what the fuck? I hit command shift 5 to take a screenshot and it switched to a, a stop like as soon as I went to capture it. <laughs> they knew. Dude, they yeah, knew. Yeah, they knew. They have Am feature I crazy flags for- interfacing with fucking screenshot tool. <laughs> so here's the question. Was it just a drawing error? Uh, conspiracy theory me is in the same way that Apple prevents you from screen recording like a TV show, right? Right. Like they know if it's on display and you can't record that section or, or it records as a black box. Uh-huh. My conspiracy theory is that they have feature flags and if they don't want you screenshotting like an experimental test, they have a way to instant revert it when you open the screenshot tool. Wow, that's super cool. 